Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bright Brains. Today, we have a spine-tingling episode lined up as we delve into the world of the supernatural with a seasoned paranormal investigator. Get ready to uncover the secrets of the otherworldly as we discuss her captivating experiences, hair-raising encounters, and the uncharted territories of the beyond. Join us as we peer into the realm of the unexplained with our special guest, Chris Sumner. You won't want to miss this eerie and enlightening conversation. Stay tuned and prepare to be intrigued. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. Uh, Why don't we begin by uh, just having you tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, being a paranormal investigator. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here tonight. Um, So as you said, my name is Dr. Christy Sumner, and I'm the founder of Soul Sisters Paranormal. And um, we actually started uh, Paranormal Investigations as a girls trip. Uh, My sisters and I, we live in different parts of the country. And uh, so we would routinely get together um, for weekend excursions in different different places. And uh, in 2013, we had the opportunity to go to Moundsville, West Virginia, which is where the former West Virginia State Penitentiary is located. And that uh, facility is said to be one of the most haunted uh, facilities in the country. So we took, yeah, we took one of our nights that we were there for the weekend and stayed inside that prison. And we left with such an amazing experience of things we couldn't explain. Um, Footsteps, uh, men's voices when we knew that there were no men in the area, um, disembodied voices. So to us, it was a unique experience. And so after that, we decided that we wanted to formalize um, what we consider a professional paranormal investigation team. And uh, Mm. so now we go around the country to historic and reportedly haunted locations, just telling the historical narrative of those locations, and then um, coupling that with any unexplained things that we find during the night. All right. So uh, have you always been interested in uh, the paranormal or how did this begin for you? We've always had an interest in the paranormal. Um, my sisters and I, we, we come from a research-minded background, all of us. And um, so we'd watch the television shows, you know, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Activity movies and all of that. Um, but we always found ourselves saying, you know, why didn't they ask these questions? Why didn't they um, use this technique or something like that? Um, so we told ourselves if we ever had the opportunity to go on investigation, we would do that. And that presented itself in Moundsville. Um, so, yeah, we've always had a belief in the paranormal, in the afterlife, uh, you know, something is going to happen after this when, once we pass. And um, to us, we're, we're kind of delving in that, into that realm and seeing if we can uncover any of those secrets. So you said you're a researcher. Um, what is your science background in? Is it in the paranormal or is it in something else? It's not. Uh, I've got a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice. Um, awesome. So um, my discipline um, for my PhD thesis was actually um, airport access control and the use of biometric identification systems. Uh, so, you know, I, I work with technology um, on a daily basis at that point. And then uh, my sisters, um, one of my sisters is a lawyer. The other one also has her PhD. So we really wanted to approach the paranormal again with that research mindset of of trying to, sorry, I've got a cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, to try sorry. to to try to explain, um, first of all, try to debunk um, anything that we could. Um, really control for those environmental factors like noise pollution, sound pollution, or uh, uh, light pollution, and such. And um, so we go into 
a location with a very healthy skepticism. Um, and then we put out different pieces of equipment during our investigation for the night. And we, when we go back and review the, uh, the, the voice recorders and the, uh, the, the, um, the cameras that we have set up for the night, um, what we're left with is the unexplainable. So for example, if, if I know that there's five females in a location, yet I'm capturing a man's voice or a child's voice, that's very hard for me to debunk or explain because there's nobody in that area that has that voice. And we've come across that numerous times. What kind of technology do you use? Uh, well, the very first piece of equipment that we always take with us is a voice recorder. So a simple Sony voice recorder um, that you can get off Amazon or at Best Buy. Um, that's really our go-to tool because for us, um, you know, light anomalies and such can be explained away, dust, bugs, etc. But voices for, for us is very hard to explain. Again, if I know that there's no men in the area or if I'm capturing a woman's voice that is not one of us or a child's voice, um, you know, that's very hard for me to explain. So we take voice recorders. We have night vision video cameras. We have uh, body cameras. We have different tools that are designed to measure electromagnetic energy, um, tools that are designed to measure vibration, um, um, both sound vibration and then physical vibration. Um, we have different devices that are essentially word banks. So the theory is that spirits can use their energy to formulate words um, that are in this word bank. Um, and so th those are typically the, the tools that we use. So um, how did you go about getting started? Did you like look at other paranormal investigators? Are there like books you can read on this? Like, like what makes a professional as a pair as compared to an amateur? Uh, I really just think experience, honestly, um, mm -hmm. you know, f we're always learning. So if somebody says that, uh, you know, they're a professional paranormal investigator, you really have to look at their, their background and how long they've actually been doing this. Um, but it really is about learning techniques at, at, at every investigation. So, like I said, our very first investigation was extremely rudimentary, uh, just a couple of voice recorders and a couple of digital cameras and one um, night vision camera. And so we learned by talking to other paranormal investigation groups and looking at those groups that um, we really um, appreciated their style and technique, i.e. they were really into the history um, more so than trying to go out and sensationalize um, their investigation. Um, and so we really tried to mimic some of those techniques, but really it was about us as well, just learning as we went from investigation to investigation and we really formed our own techniques, um, different questions that we ask, uh, different, uh, again, tools that we deploy in certain instances. Um, we're very big on what we call trigger items. So taking um, an item and using it in a location to try to elicit a response from a spirit. So for example, um, if we go to a penitentiary or prison, we typically take um, cigarettes or cigars or whiskey or uh, beer, something that somebody in a prison would want. Um, if we're looking at some place that has a solitary confinement cell, we usually take some type of food and water, something that somebody in a solitary confinement cell would want. So we really look at the, um, the locations that we've gone to, to really formulate those, um, uh, those trigger items. So we're very big on using that as well. So we really formed our technique through going through multiple investigations and then talking to others in the field. So what is the most convincing piece of evidence that you found, like video or audio recording? Like mm -hmm. What is something that you found um, on your research that you could like show to somebody like, hey, 
this is proof that the paranormal is real. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of different places that we've gone to where we've captured um, what us in the paranormal call class A EVPs and or mm -hmm. electronic voice phenomena. And um, these are really those that we can't explain. So, for example, um, we were at the Grand Old Lady Hotel, which is in Balsam, North Carolina, and mm -hmm. it's a three story hotel. It was built in the early 1900s. And um, that not that weekend, we actually had the entire hotel to ourselves. So it was a hundred. It's 100 rooms. It's three levels. Um, and uh, so we were the only people on the property for three days from a Friday afternoon to a, a Sunday afternoon. Um, so we knew we had complete control of the environment. So on Saturday night, there are three of us uh, on this investigation, three females. Um, and on Saturday night, we wanted to stay in one of the suites that was adjacent to the most reportedly haunted hallway in the building called Henry's Hall. And so the, the room is set up again, as a suite, but there's an internal room and then a small external room. And that external room has the doorway that goes into the hall. So my twin sister and I were in the, the internal room and Miranda, our, our friend and investigator, um, was in that exterior room. So we had voice recorders set up and we had a night vision video camera on the inside of the room and in the hallway. And we had said our good nights and we were talking about kind of getting ready to pack up the next morning and when we were going to leave and have breakfast and all of that. And um, so we had just said our goodnights. And about 15 minutes later, uh, a man's voice came from outside the door and it said, please don't go. And Miranda said, did you hear that? And I said, yeah. And she said, what did you think it sounded like? I said, there's a man outside our door. Um, but yet there was no man there. There was nobody present physically in the building, but the three of us. Um, so that was very convincing. Um, we, uh, my, my twin sister and I, we investigated the USS North Carolina, which is a battleship in Wilmington, North Carolina. And she and I were the only two people on the vessel that night. Uh, so we had complete control of the entire ship. And uh, we were walking into the former medical facility in the ship where they treated people during the war. And as we were walking in, I made the comment, do you want to sit in here for a few minutes? And you hear Jenny say yes. And then a man's voice said, just watch your arm. It's very clear. It's a man's voice. Again, there's nobody else on the ship with us. Uh, but yet we have this voice that is intelligently responding to us walking into this room. Um, so th those are very, those are two examples. Um, we've captured shadow figures. Uh, we've captured um, uh, different uh, light anomalies that we can't explain. Um, and then again, there's disembodied voices. Oh, wow. So based on your scientific background, what do you think ghosts are? Do you think it's like a spirit or do you think there's another explanation for it? For me, I think it's energy. Um, you know, mm -hmm. energy can't be created or destroyed. So we have to go somewhere. Um, now, my my religious background is as a Christian. So I, I do believe that there is a heaven. And I do think that most spirits are going to ascend to that or most energies are going to, to uh, ascend to that once we pass, but not all. Um, and so I think that those that have the opportunity to stay behind for whatever reason, are th those are the ones that we're communicating with. So we work on three theories as to why some of those spirits remain. Um, the first is that there is legitimately unfinished business unfinished business that something needs to be fulfilled. Um, so for example, I am currently sitting in the historic Scott County jail in Huntsville, Tennessee. Um, it's a jail that I co-own with my business partner, Miranda Young. And so it is a haunted jail. It's one of the top five haunted locations in the state. And in 1925, 
one of our sheriffs was killed right outside the front door and it's still an unsolved murder. We do believe his spirit is here in the building. And I believe his unfinished business is he wants to know who solved his crime uh, or who committed his crime. He wants it solved. Yeah. And so I think that's why he's still here. That's his unfinished business. Um, but we see him routinely. We hear him routinely. Um, so we do believe that he is still here. Uh, so the first thing is, I think there's unfinished business. The next one is, I think that they are stuck and can't find a way to ascend to what is next. I think we see this a lot with children, um, especially if they die a, a kind of a violent death. Um, again, they realize that they're they're dead, but they can't find a way to go to what's next. Um, and then the third one, uh, I believe, is fear of retribution for the life they lived on earth. And I think that's mm. why we see a lot of spirits in jails and prisons because they're more content to stay with where they're comfortable rather than to ascend to what they could believe is a purgatory um, or, or some type of retribution for being a bad person on earth. And so those are really the kind of the three theories that we work with. Um, but again, I, I don't think that every person that passes remains a spirit. Um, so, for example, uh, when my grandmother died in 1996, or, uh, 19, or, sorry, when my grandmother died in 2016, um, right prior to her death, I actually had a dream that my grandpa had come to me in this dream and said, I'm, I'm waiting for your Nana. You're going to be getting a call soon. And so when she passed, um, about three hours after she passed, I looked at my family and I said, I know where she's going. She's going to go meet up with granddaddy in this plot that was depicted in this dream. And so my, my family gave us permission to go to this spot. It's, it's in the house that they shared um, that was depicted in the dream. And we had two devices that we used to measure energy. They're called K2 meters. We had a black mm -hmm. one and a gray one. And we sat in the room that was depicted in the dream. And I said, Nana, are you here? And the, the K2 meter started going off. And I said, okay, can you stop on the gray one and just go to the black one? Just the black one lit up. I said, okay, can you just go stop on the black one and go to the gray one? And the gray one lit up. And so through a series of questions, we were able to determine what I felt was Nana had met up with granddaddy and they ascended to what's next. I'll call it heaven. Um, and because we went back a week later to perform the exact same experiments in the exact same location with the exact same tools, asking the exact same questions. And we got nothing. There was, it was absolute mm. silence. None of our equipment alarmed. And so I think that, granddaddy's unfinished business was that he was waiting for Nana. And then when they met up, they moved on to what was next. Um, and so I don't look for Nana and granddaddy to be spirits anymore. I, I think they're, they're moved on. Um, so that's what I mean when I say, I don't think all humans that pass are, are spirits. Gotcha. Um, have you ever had a situation where you felt unsafe? No. Um, a lot of the places that we go into, uh, there, there are some, moments of trepidation. Um, honestly, I'm more scared of the living than the dead. Um, you know, there are some places where we take our pistols with us um, just because that's the nature of the area that we're in. Um, but honestly, with regard to the spirits, we've never felt unsafe. Um, we go in with a sense of respect for both the historical location and the entities we're trying to speak to. And so we tell them that right off the bat. We walk in, we say, you know, my name is Christy. This is Jenny. We're here to tell your story. Uh, if you don't want to talk to us, that is absolutely fine. Uh, you're not allowed to touch us. You're not allowed to go home with us. Uh, we just want to tell your story. And so I think because we go in with that level of respect, we kind of get that respect in return. So for us, uh, we've been to over three dozen of the most reportedly haunted locations in the country. 
We've never felt threatened. We've never, you know, been touched or harmed physically in any way. Um, nothing has ever come home with us. Uh, I think a lot of what people see right now is sensationalized due to television. Um, so when they think something is quote unquote demonic, that's really not the case. It's people trying to sell advertising um, because we've never experienced anything like that. Hmm. So you, earlier you said you were religious. How has this paranormal investigating, has, how has it affected uh, your religious beliefs? And that's a great question. You know, for me, it, it has really strengthened my belief in the afterlife. Um, obviously, death is something that we're all going to experience. And um, really up until that experience with Nana, um, I was really afraid of death. Um, you know, I, I think most people are, but I was really, you know, I, I, I didn't want to face it. Um, but now it, it's, I'm, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a calm place, right. Where I, I think that there, I, I know that there's something after this, um, that we don't just cease to be, because obviously if, if we just cease to be, that's a, that's a pretty terrifying thought. Um, but I do think that we do move on. And, um, so for me, it, it has strengthened my religious beliefs. It, it really has. It's given me a, also a sense of calm, um, about what happens next. So, um, I know you said you never felt unsafe somewhere, but do you believe like, like there are violent like entities out there, like demons and things like that? I do, but I don't believe that they are human representations. Um, I don't believe that demons had a physical existence on earth. I think that they represent the evil of the good and the evil in the world. Um, and they're a manifestation of that evil. Um, but the entities that we try to speak with or communicate with, we're trying to reach those that had a human existence. They lived, they died. And for whatever reason, they're still here and able to communicate with us. Um, now we've gone to several places. Uh, so for example, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, which is a former maximum security penitentiary in Petros, Tennessee. Um, it, it was called the end of the line. Uh, it was a really bad facility to be in. Um, and there is an area there that is said to be darker, uh, not so much demons, if you will, but an, an entity in there that doesn't want anybody approaching that area. And so for us, when we went in there, because that's not what we're trying to communicate with, the only thing that we did is we left a voice recorder in that area. We said, we're not, we understand that this is your space. We're not going to interrupt that space. If you want to communicate with us tonight, just speak into this recorder. Otherwise we're, we're going to back out and we've got other places on this property that we're going to investigate. And so we really don't engage with that type of a negative entity. If one is said to be in the location. What do you think about things like uh, Ouija boards you know, things like that and other kind of like ways to contact. Because uh, I know you're kind of on the technical side, but there mm -hmm. are other like kind of like spiritual kind of ways. Do you think there's anything to that? I think it's the the connotation that goes behind them. So we personally don't use Ouija boards. I do, I do know that some people do. Um, we personally do not, uh, not not because I think we're going to open a portal or anything like that, but it's because of that negative connotation that's behind it. And um, so I, I do think that when people go into a location with 
what me, what I personally call the wrong intentions, I do believe that there is the possibility that you can be harmed, right? So if you go into a location and say, listen, I'm not going to believe you're here unless you throw this chair across the room or you punch me in the face, I think you're going to be met with that type of hostility. And it, it's the, the attitude and the intention that you go in with. Um, so I do believe that there are people that have been touched, that have been physically harmed because they go in with this sense of bravado to try to get that type of reaction um, from the spirits. I mean, it's like essentially, you know, you or I going into somebody's house, right? And we just go into their house and we say, hey, yo, this is my house um, or this is your house, but I'm going to kind of walk in with without any regard to you or your property. I mean, you're going to take offense to that. And I think the same thing is, is true of spirits, right? These are the places that they inhabit. And so, like I said, for us, we always go in with a sense of respect and reverence for the location and the spirits. And I think because of that, we've never had any physical harm done to us, but I know that others have. How do you handle uh, skepticism uh, towards your field of work? Um, you know, honestly, we never try to convince anybody of of what we do. Um, if you want to believe, that is absolutely fine. So what we do is we go into a location, say, you know, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. We go into the location. We control for all the environmental factors that we can control. And we have a, a, a night where we set up all of this equipment. And then when we come back out, we tell a very detailed narrative of the location. And then we couple that, like I said, with anything that we can't explain. And so if somebody wants to believe that, that's fantastic. If they don't, that's fantastic as well. Um, what we're, we're putting out there is like, this is how we did our investigation. These are the things that we found or we were able to capture when we controlled for everything else. And if somebody wants to have a dialogue with me about you know, what they think uh, our shadow figure is or why I'm capturing this child's voice, then I'd love to have that dialogue with them. Um, so we just kind of want to put out there what we think um, is unexplained evidence because we can't explain it any other way. There's no explanation based on how we did our investigation. And so we have skeptics, skeptics, absolutely. And that's fine. We welcome that um, because we're, like I said, we're not trying to convince anybody. We're showing you how we did our investigation this is what we captured that we cannot explain in that moment. If somebody came to you and said, you know, I think my house is haunted. What should I do? How would you respond to them? And we get that a lot, actually. Um, the very first thing that I would say would be to get a voice recorder um, and just push record and go about your day and then go back and listen to it and see if you capture any anomalies um, or sit and ask questions, right? Just say, you know, sit for... 20, 30 minutes in your living room, hit record on the voice recorder and just ask. It may sound silly. It may, you may think it's silly, but just ask questions, go back and listen and see if you captured anything. Um, so that's the very first thing that we do. Like if somebody calls us, um, you know, we either send them a voice recorder and we will take time to listen to it if they want us to. But really, we just tell them, go out and get a voice recorder and try that first. Um, and then do research on to uh, the property, the background of the property. Uh, you know, did somebody die there? Uh, did you lose a loved one there? 
do you have possessions um, that belong to somebody that passed that was very special to them? Um, try to figure out where that could be coming from. Uh, so we do have we do have people that will call us, both homeowners and business owners, and we'll go in and, like I said, that's the very first thing that we do is we sit with voice recorders to really see if something's happening, um, or if or if it's something that is environmental. So for example, we had a um, a, a guy call us. He had a business, and um, it, it was a storefront a glass storefront. It was kind of a narrow storefront. He had display cases and, and mirrors all over. And he called us because he had just opened this business and his night vision video cameras were going crazy at night. And so he was convinced that something was manipulating these cameras at night. And so we went in, we sat there for probably about three or four hours and we weren't getting anything. We weren't feeling anything. We weren't, none of our equipment was alarming. And um, so we left some of our night vision video cameras there in the building that night and we left. And so I called him then the next morning and I said, did your cameras go off? And he's like, oh my gosh, yes, it was such an active night. And so we collected our cameras and I said, okay, give me the timestamps of when your cameras went off and I'm going to cross-reference them with mine. And so he did. And when we, when we went back and looked, what we found was the way his storefront was positioned, it was running perpendicular to a, a road that had a high volume of U-turn traffic. So mm -hmm. at, at night when the headlights would come into his building, it would bounce off the mirrors and hit his night vision video camera and essentially turn them off and turn them back on because oh. the night vision is gone. And so I told him, I said, I don't think you're, having anything paranormal, it's environmental, either take the mirrors off the wall or change the position of your cameras. And I think that will solve your problem. And it, and it did. And so we, we try to look for those, those explainable factors first. And we talk through this with homeowners. Um, you know, do you have coyotes in the area or um, do you have neighborhood dogs or something like that, that, in in the absence of everything else, you perceive as paranormal because you don't think about those things. Um, and so we'll go through that with the homeowners. Now, there's there's times where we've gone into locations and legitimately found things, um, and we present those to the homeowner or the business owner and uh, say, "Yeah, this is this is what we found. Um, we can't explain it, um, and we can work with you depending on what you want to do with that information." Um, so, yeah, long windedly, that's that's how we. No, that was, that that's was a great answer. Um, what do you think has to happen for like more people to kind of like take paranormal investigation like seriously? Like what? Because, you know, now it kind of seems like something that you see on TV, like mm -hmm. there's uh, ghost hunters on like I think it's like National Geographic or History Channel. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of look at it like, oh, that's fake or that's a bunch of hogwash. But what do you think has to happen for this to be looked at as like a legitimate uh, science I, I think the first thing that needs to happen is is the the audience of those television shows and of the TikTokers and of the Instagrammers need to understand the reason behind why somebody is doing this. Um, and for those people that are in it for the clicks, for the likes, for the subscribes and for the advertising, you have to realize that they're doing these things to sensationalize to get the clicks, the likes, the subscribes, and the advertisers. Um, so I think if the majority of people would look at true paranormal investigators, and by that I mean those that are in it for the historical significance of the location and are those that are really trying to do legitimate research, if you would look at those, 
in conjunction to what you're watching for entertainment, just just look at us for a little bit and see what we're doing. Um, you know, we don't have the jump scares. Uh, we don't have the the cursing and running out of a door. That's not what we do. We're sitting there trying and, and it may not be fast paced enough for some people um, in this age of instant gratification. Um, but for us, we are legitimately trying to find these answers. Um, now I'm, I'm not disparaging, uh, you know, those TikTokers and YouTubers and, and Instagrammers. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that the, for me, I believe that the audience needs to understand their reasons for doing that. Um, so for example, like our YouTube channel, I don't monetize. We, we don't, we don't make any money off of this. Everything that we do is self-funded. And the reason for that is because I don't want somebody to come back and say, you're quote unquote, finding this evidence because you want likes, subscribes and, and money. That's not the reason at all. Um, in fact, like I said, we don't make anything off of this. It's to legitimately show that things are happening that we can't explain. And that's why we do this. And and I know the the paranormal investigators that I know that I associate with feel the same way. Um, we're out there trying to do, again, legitimate research to to find these answers or to find this date, this data that is really showing us that there is something after this, that death isn't something that you need to be afraid of. But you do need to understand that these things are happening. And um, so for me, I, I think that's really what the first thing that needs to happen is the audience needs to understand the difference between sensationalism and those of us out there that are trying to really look at this from a scientific viewpoint. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's Bright Brains with a Z, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast. Do you have any theories on what the afterlife is? Um, I know you said earlier about being a Christian, so of course, you know, you mm -hmm. might believe in heaven, but are there any other theories on what it is? Like, um you know, like I said, I, I do believe that that most people are going to go to heaven uh, the, when they pass. Um, mm -hmm. I even though I've, I was raised in the Christian faith, wrapping my mind around the concept of a hell um, mm -hmm. is very hard for me. Um, so I don't think in terms of that, um, I think that maybe the spirits that are here trying to communicate with us, maybe that is their hell, right? Because they need to find what's next. Um, uh, you know, for me, my theory is that, um, and I hope that when I pass, I'm, I'm just going to move on to that heavenly realm, right? That next realm. Um, but uh, if, if I'm given the opportunity to talk to my loved ones or give a message to somebody who's trying to listen, that I would be afforded that opportunity. Um, so I just think that there's some energies that are just closer to the veil, um, if you will, that are allowed to give us these messages. And think I think the message, go ahead. Uh, now go on. What, go, you, 
I, and I think those messages are there for a reason, right? To legitimately get the stories told and to 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 show us that 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 death isn't the final. That there's it's not a final thing. We are moving on. Are there any like uh, historical um, sites that you would love to go to that you haven't been to yet? Yes. So my bucket list um, includes Leap Castle in Ireland. Um, mm. uh, we've, we've, I've traveled internationally, but not as a, an investigator. So I would love to get to Leap Castle in Ireland. Um, there is a place in Australia called the Monte Cristo uh, Plantation. Um, I would love to get down there. Um, uh, the Queen Mary out in uh, California, as well as... Um, uh, Alcatraz. Uh, I visited Alcatraz as a tourist, but I would love to get in and actually do an investigation um, overnight. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, and really just these these smaller towns that have a history that people don't know about. Because our main purpose, Isaac, is really to tell the history of these locations. Um for two reasons. One, to highlight that these places are important, and two, that preservation efforts need to take place to save them. So for example, the historic Scott County jail where I'm sitting at right now, it's in Huntsville, Tennessee, which is as small as it sounds, right? The, the population is about 1300 here. Um, very small, very rural, but the history here is fantastic. Um, and we opened this location because we wanted to save this building. It was built in 1904 in operation as a jail till 2008. And historic preservation is something that we're very passionate about. And so to be able to be here and save this building that is is to us very rewarding and i think that's why a lot of paranormal investigators do this is to to make sure that these places are preserved um so that that's our main driving factor and then again couple that with with the things we can't explain do you have any upcoming projects investigations or research that you'd like to share with the audience yeah, absolutely. So um, currently I've, I'm working on uh, two more documentary videos. Um, all of our videos can be found on our website. So the next two will be from Hillview Manor and uh, the old hospital on College Hill, which is in West Virginia. So we've, we've investigated them and the videos should be released here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, there's several conventions and, and, and paracons, what we call paranormal conventions, paracons that I'll be attending. Um, I'll be uh, in uh, Harriman, or no, Old South Pittsburgh, Tennessee on December 9th. I'll be speaking there at a um, scare away cancer event. So it's a, it's a fundraiser for uh, cancer. Um, I'll be at the women of the paranormal convention, March 23rd and 24th in Harriman, Tennessee. Um, so we do a lot of speaking uh, engagements as well. And uh, then next year we hope to get back to Fort Mifflin to investigate there. And there are two or three others on our bucket list that we're trying to arrange to get to. So just keep an eye out because it's going to be a fun 2024. Awesome. Sounds great. This has been an awesome discussion. Um, I'll let you have the final word. Was there anything you want to say to this impart to the audience before I let you go? Well, first of all, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate your time. And Isaac, thank you for having me tonight. Um, if you want to find out more about what we do and who we are, our website is www.soulsistersparanormal.com. Uh, we're also active on Facebook under Soul Sisters Paranormal and our YouTube is Soul Sisters Paranormal. Awesome. All right, then. Well, thank you. And you have a nice night. Take you care. as well. Thank you. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to heal your own bright ideas. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.